Last week, the Greeks came looking for Jesus. It was, just, you know, they really wanted and they were really seeking Jesus. Jesus had an opportunity to be accepted because he was rejected by his own people. In John chapter 1, it says, He came to his own, and his own received him not. But as many as receive him, to them he gives the power or the authority or the right or the privilege to become children of God. So, Jesus, in a way, it was a temptation to go roundabout and not really fulfill the will of God because at that point in time, as you know, if you're a student of the Bible, Passover was coming, and this was the end of Jesus' earthly ministry as far as preaching and teaching. And his uh, public ministry after the end of this chapter now becomes private. So this is his last public ministry. And it says that Although, beginning in verse 37, although he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So many signs, beginning with the calling of Nathaniel. It was miraculous. Nathaniel, Jesus says, he says, oh, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. And then Nathaniel says, how do you know me? And Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree. So Jesus expresses from the very beginning of his ministry, supernatural knowledge, supernatural power. He's God come in the flesh, and he reveals this over time. The next thing he did was an act of mercy. He, he uh, turned the water into wine to save the people from embarrassment at the wedding feast. And then in chapter 3, he introduces the, the uh, idea or the uh, demand, if you will, of the new birth and the necessity of the new birth. Next in chapter 4, he speaks to the woman of the well and he clarifies worship. He authoritatively tells the world that this is how you worship, in spirit and in truth. And then in chapter 5, the nobleman's son is healed simply by Jesus speaking a word. These are signs, acts of mercy. Then in chapter 5 also, there's a man at the pool of Bethesda. He's been lame for 38 years or whatever his infirmity was. Laying there, can't get up. And Jesus tells him, just get up. Take your bed and walk. And this begins the troubles of Jesus. Everyone gets upset. Well, not everyone. The authorities get upset. Hey, it's against the law for you to pick up your bed and walk on this particular day. Thank God. I know uh, there's some people that claim, oh, you have to worship God on Saturday. Oh, you have to worship God on Sunday. How many believe that what Paul said is worship God every day? Make up your own mind. I'd say Every day is Easter. Amen? Jesus rose from the dead. He's not in the grave anymore. Hallelujah. That's good news. And then he heals the multitudes and feeds them miraculously with the loaves and the fishes. They want to make him the king. And he says, no, no, no. And uh, tells his disciples, you guys go ahead. 
north, get up there to Capernaum, and uh, he comes by walking on the water. What a miracle. <laughs> Somebody posted a video, I'm going to try walking on water. He stepped right into the water and sunk right away. Only Jesus and Peter walked on the water. Hallelujah. And then he declares that he himself is the only way to have access to the Father. Psalm 65 verse 4 says, Blessed is the man. Jesus explains, Unless the Father draws people, they will not come. But blessed or happy is the man that God chooses and that God causes to approach him that that man or that woman may dwell in God's courts. Then he forgives the woman caught in adultery, which was a really uh, bizarre uh, episode because under the law of Moses, both people, you can't commit adultery by yourself, both of them were supposed to be stoned and they only brought the woman. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But Jesus sets them straight. Whoever is without sin, cast the first stone. And beginning at the oldest to the youngest, they walk out. And what's interesting is, uh, I, I tried to look it up. Somebody told me that what really amazed them was him writing on the ground because, uh, in effect, the ground was kind of hard. And how many know that the tablets of stone were written with the finger of God? Irregardless, he forgives the woman. And then a blind man is healed. He's blind from birth. These are the signs that Jesus did in their, in their presence. And they still would not believe. Man was born blind, <laughs> and they arrest him, put him on trial. How, would you, how did you become unblind? Well, the, Jesus told me to go wash, put mud on my eyes, and went washed, and now I can see. That's not the same guy. Oh, yes, it is. All right, bring his parents, and we'll put them on trial too. And they're scared to death because the authorities, the Pharisees had said, if anyone believes in Jesus, they'll be put out of the synagogue just for believing in Jesus. Several times, Jesus escaped being trapped. They were going to kill him. And he escaped out of their hands because his time had not come. And then, last week, we saw Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And there, the authorities' uh, <laughs> response was, okay, we need to kill Lazarus too. <gasps> Are you guys nuts? What, what murders? In their hearts, why would they want to murder someone that had been risen from the dead? To me, that makes no sense. That's insane. And then he just came into the city, had the triumphant entry, fulfilled prophecy. See, your king comes to you sitting on a donkey, the foal of a donkey. Right before their eyes, Scripture was fulfilled and they still would not believe. Does that blow your mind? It blows my mind. Yes. Still would not believe. Hallelujah. However, in John chapter 11, verse 47, we notice that the Pharisees acknowledge this man works many signs. I, remember, I like what the... Uh, the man born blind told them, if this man was not of God, he couldn't open his blind eyes, could he? And uh, they'd say, oh, you're teaching us? Out, out with you. Good grief. 
out of the mouth of babes and infants. Thou hast ordained praise. Don't have to be real smart. You don't have to be a, a scientist to understand salvation. You don't have to be a, a, a genius to realize people sin and they need to be set free from sin. I remember going, I was called to jury duty. It was for a, a drunk, a DUI. And uh, sitting there in the courtroom and uh, ask us to introduce yourself, tell us about yourself. Uh, my name's Joseph Coble. I'm a union carpenter. And both lawyers turned around and looked at me. And then when it came my turn, I said, Your Honor, can I approach the bench? And I got up and I told the judge and the two lawyers, I said, You know, I was an alcoholic, but Jesus Christ set me free. And in my opinion, alcoholism is the only uh, addiction or the only disease sold in a bottle over the counter. And as far as I'm concerned, you're, if I got this for you, your client's guilty and you're wasting taxpayer dollars. And they said, okay, you're dismissed. <laughs> that was the truth. They're wasting taxpayer dollars. Man up. You did the deed. Suffer the consequences. Maybe God would have mercy on him. Maybe. In John chapter 21, verse 25, it says, many other signs, many signs were done, and many other things were done that were not written. But in verse 29 it says, these, or verse 31, these are written that you may believe three things. That Jesus is the Christ, He's the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in His name. What a blessing. Amen. What did Jesus tell um, Thomas? He says, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Because many other signs he did in the presence of his disciples. Anyone who claims that Jesus is just a figment of your imagination, he's your imaginary friend, is what one person said. No, no, he's not your imaginary friend. Look at the evidence. Jesus was a real historical person. The question is whether or not you believe he was God come in the flesh. That's the big issue. Many still don't believe in him so that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be filled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Who has believed our report? You ever try to witness and tell somebody about Jesus and they, don't, they just, ah, that, leave me alone, go away. And they don't want to hear it. Who has believed our report? We have good news. That death is not the end. Excuse me. <laughs> Amen? That's good news. We're going to see all of our relatives again. Amen? Those that have gone before us. Hallelujah. Who has believed our report? They still would not believe. <clears throat> I like the illustration. Whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? What it, the idea is that God has rolled up his sleeve and flexing his muscles. Hey, see that? Check this out. God's got, God's got big muscles, amen? amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. And this comes from Isaiah chapter, this is chapter uh, 53 of Isaiah, the great chapter that fully describes the Messiah and his office and his success. 
Hallelujah. To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not. For again, Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. He saw the Lord high and lifted up. If you know the story, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And his response was, Whoa, I've seen God. I can do anything now. No, Isaiah's response was, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. He saw God and has scared him to death. I've seen God. I was reading a testimony of a young man over in Iran. He says that when I was a drug addict, I wanted to be the best drug addict there was. When I was a thief, I wanted to be the best thief there was. And then one day, God touched his life. And he said, now I want to be the best Christian I can be. And he said when he was praying for God to save him, he said, I could sense Jesus' presence in the room, but I had my eyes closed and I dared not look up to see if he really was there, but I could sense his presence. This is a man who understood God is holy. Amen? Amen? God is holy. And without Jesus, we are not holy. Woe is me, was his saying. Hallelujah. But did you know that in Isaiah, when God speaks... In verse 9, or verse 8 through 9, Isaiah says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, first, he's unclean lips. An angel comes and touches his lips with a coal, and that cleanses him. Praise God. I don't want any burning coals touching my lips unless they're from God. Amen. Anybody ever been burned? (laughs) When I first got saved, I I was working uh, construction, and my very first job, I prayed, God, Hell's real, show me. Don't ever pray that (laughs) unless you really mean it. The next day I went to work and uh, I was helping the older carpenter and he's cutting rebar with a torch and I picked a piece up that was hot and it it wasn't glowing anymore so I thought I was cooled off. I picked it up. Oh, it was hot. And I went home and I was warming a tortilla on the stove, on the electric stove, and I touched the electric burner, and the the pain went up and hit me in the heart. I said, okay, God, (laughs) you answered my prayer. And Isaiah saw God, hallelujah, but God made him clean. And then God says, Isaiah says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Isaiah says, me, me, here am I. Send me immediately. This is one of the the most immediate responses in the whole Bible of anyone when God deals with them. Immediately, send me. And God says to Isaiah, He says, go and say to this people. And this is what Isaiah says to the people. Keep on hearing, or hear indeed, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, or see indeed, but do not perceive. That was Isaiah's message to the people. Hear, but don't understand. See, but don't perceive. And then God says to Isaiah, and this is what you're going to do. Isaiah, 
And this is the way it looks to me because of the, where the, the uh, quotation marks are in the Bible. And look it up for yourself in verse 10. Uh, God commands Isaiah, make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their hearts and understand with their hearts or hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Turn and be healed. The key to the Jews of that day is that they would see with their eyes this was God's hope and understand with their hearts and turn and as a result, God would heal them. Psalm 19, verse 7 through 11 says these words, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting or restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And in keeping them, there is great reward. Hallelujah. That's why we have the Bible. That's why we have the Scriptures. In keeping them, there is great reward. God's, God's purpose is to heal. Amen? Exodus chapter 15, verse 26 says, I am the Lord who heals you. Psalm 103, verses 2 and 3 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. He forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. The cross has not lost its power. Amen? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because Isaiah saw God's glory, he responded. Psalm 98 verse 1 says, Sing unto the Lord a new song. He has done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm have gotten Him the victory. There is in the Old Testament, uh, and it's Isaiah, I don't know exactly where, that God says, I will provide atonement because the people couldn't do it on their own. Hallelujah. And then, nevertheless, this is a funny word. Can you imagine trying to teach someone English? Here's a good word for you. Nevertheless. <laughs> what in the world? Nevertheless. So I decided, you know what? I've got a Strong's Concordance. I'm going to look that word up. I couldn't believe it. I opened the book, and immediately it was right there at the word, nevertheless. Whoa, I guess God wants me to understand this. Well, guess what? It just means however. <laughs> or it could be translated nonetheless. What kind of word is that? <laughs> Simple English. But would be better. Yet. Yet. However, many of, even in the authorities believed in him. Isn't that amazing? A lot of people did believe in him. However, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it. Confession is so important. This power in confession. Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 10, quoting Deuteronomy chapter 30, says, What does the word say? What does the word say? It says, The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth, 
the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20 says, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. For with the mouth, or for the heart, excuse me, I'm sorry. With the heart, one believes, resulting in righteousness, a right standing with God. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Confession. You, we should never be embarrassed to speak the name of Jesus. I remember uh, I was at a, a, a social function, and uh, <clears throat> one of the fellows comes up, and he's got a drink in his I said, Joe, you don't drink? And I said, no, Jesus Christ set me free. And he looked at me like really strange. And I found out later his mom is born again. And when he was younger, he used to go to church with mom. <laughs> so that explained the look on his face. <laughs> Praise God. There's something, there's power in the name of Jesus. When we speak Jesus' name because we have a relationship with him, it does something. It changes the atmosphere. Amen? However, they were scared. So these, the chief rulers and the leaders... Many, even of the authorities, these are the leading men, the nobles. They weighed in the balance. Should I tell somebody about Jesus? Or should I just uh, be quiet and just let the... Uh, uh, because they loved the glory or the praises that comes from man more than the praise or glory that comes from God. They're, they didn't want to be ostracized, put out of the synagogue. How embarrassing. They won't let me come into the church anymore. Just because I confess Jesus. So, does that strike you as odd? <laughs> Strikes me as strange. Praise God. They did not confess it. They wouldn't say, oh yeah, I believe Jesus. 1 John chapter 4, verse 2 and verse 15. Verse 2 says, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And verse 15 Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him or her, and he or her in God. To confess means to say the same thing that God says. Vine's Dictionary uh, defines it to declare openly by way of speaking out freely, such confession being the effect of deep conviction of facts. I believe Jesus rose from the dead. I believe that because I believe that, and because I've asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life, I'm saved. Amen? So Isaiah, verse 11, Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily or not be ashamed. Praise God. Will not be ashamed. And this is directly related to Psalm 118, verse 22. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. The leaders of Jesus' day rejected him. They said, this is not possible. You can't be the Messiah. You didn't come in with an army. You're not overthrowing the Romans. By humbug. You're not the Messiah. Poor guys. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, it says, quoting from Joel chapter 2, verse 32 in the Old Testament, whoever calls on the name of the Lord 
shall be saved. How do you know you're saved? I called in the name of the Lord. How do you know I say you're saved? Because I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. How do you know you're saved? Because I say so. Because God says so. And so I'm saying the same thing that God says. Amen? Psalm 118, verse 11. Psalm 118 is a great psalm. It's messianic. It says, I shall not die, but live and declare or confess the works of the Lord. Luke chapter 12, verse 8. Jesus said, Also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man or her, the Son of Man also will confess before the angel of God or the angels. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 says the same thing. Him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. Isn't that a great promise? That if we'll confess Jesus before people, when we get to heaven, when it's the last day in judgment day, the Jesus said, well, because you confessed me before men, I'm going to confess you before the Father. One of the scariest scriptures in the whole Bible is Jesus on the day of judgment will say to some people, depart from me, I never knew you. That's the scariest scripture, I think, in the whole Bible. I want to know Jesus better and better. Amen? Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 23, says these words, God speaking, I've sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. It be effective. And this is what God swears. God swears. Amen? That to me, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall take an oath, a legal confession. Every knee shall bow. Glory to God, we can do it willingly now. Or those that don't receive Jesus, they're going to bow anyway. Amen? Praise God. Let's go on. They love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. The Jewish annotated New Testament says, it this way, they loved human glory more than the glory that comes from God. The King James says they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. The New American Standard Bible calls it the approval. Now, people that, uh, how can I say this? It's um, not right or it's weird if you don't want people to like you. Amen? You, we want people to like us, Right? Human beings are social animals, they call us, because we, like, we have to have relationship with people, people that are off all by themselves, hermits or whatever. They're weird. God doesn't want us to be weird. God wants us to be normal. God wants us to have relationship with people. He doesn't want us to be rejected by people. Amen? Now, this word uh, praise is the Greek word doxa which means radiance or glory or reputation. Because the New Testament was translated into Greek, uh, into the Septuagint, not the New Testament, the Old Testament, in the city of Alexandria, there was a great library. There was also a great Jewish congregation. And 70 elders got together and they translated the Hebrew scriptures into Greek. It's called the Septuagint. You'll see a LXX in your Bible for notes on that. Now, in the NIV Dictionary of New Testament Theology, it says that because they translated 
the Hebrew into the Greek, this word doxa is the clearest example of a change in meaning of a Greek word when it came under the influence of Scripture. It used to mean just an, an opinion, but now it means more than that. Hallelujah. A manifestation of His presence. It changed. It was changed. The word doxa was changed to express God's glory and power. For example, in Psalm 24, verse 7, it says, Lift up your heads, O your gates, and be lifted up your everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. Remember, God shows His right arm, His mighty arm, the King the Lord, strong in battle, strong and mighty, mighty in battle. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, the Lord of the angel armies. He is the King of glory. So it changed the word from meaning just an opinion of someone to the reputations, the great, the radiance, the uh, uh, expression of God's glory and power. John chapter 5, whoops. Chapter 5, verse 44, Jesus says, How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God or from only God? There's a note in my, my uh, I think it's in Matthew Henry's uh, commentary. The glory that comes from man is incompatible with faith. Men, the glory that comes from man or the honor that comes from human beings is incompatible with faith. We should not be seeking approval from people. Mainly, we should be seeking approval from God. Amen? The highest duty of man, according to Matthew Henry, is to glorify and praise God in worship, in word, and actions. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify God, your Father in heaven. We don't do good works to make us look good. We're supposed to be doing good works to make God look good. Amen? Because 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20 says, You were bought with a price. We were bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. Amen? Therefore, Glorify God in your body and in your spirit because we have a future. Because everything we do should be in light of eternity that someday we're going to have to give account of ourselves to God. What did we do with Jesus? Amen? Glory to God, the King of glory. Too bad these people love the praise, the glory that comes from men more than the glory that comes from God. What a sad testimony. I hope they got right afterwards. Actually, some of them did because we know that Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, they were Pharisees. They were on the Sanhedrin and they came and they honored Jesus. I'd like to think, you know, the Bible says that there was 120 people in the upper room when the Holy Ghost fell. I bet you anything, and we'll find out in eternity, I bet you anything, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea were there. I sure hope so. And now, this is kind of an odd, in my opinion, scenario. Because it says in, uh, <laughs> early on there, 
in uh, last week's reading, verse 36, these things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. If he was hidden, where was he when he was saying this stuff? I don't know. <laughs> Probably in the temple somewhere. Doesn't say. One of those mysterious things we'll have to ask Jesus when we get to heaven. Amen? This, according to Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown's commentary, seems to be a summary of Jesus' ministry. This is his last public statement. <clears throat> this is the honor that Christ asserts to himself. Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. This is one of those mysterious things. I don't know how to explain it. But through Jesus, we have relationship with God the Father. This is his last public discourse. Whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. This, in, in, in light of the fact that they want to kill him. This is a display of courage. Amen? These people that he's talking to, that maybe some of them believed, some of them didn't, some of them wanted to kill him. And his courage is on display here as opposed to the people who were afraid to speak his name in public and in the synagogue because they were afraid they'd be kicked out. Jesus shows his courage. By believing in Jesus, we are brought into an honorable relationship with the Father. We do not believe in just a prophet. We do not believe in just a mere man. Jesus was more than a carpenter, more than a prophet. Amen? It's God come in the flesh. We believe in one who is the Son of God. We are brought into, <laughs> Matthew Henry says, I have come into the world, Jesus says, as a light. Anybody ever been out in the wilderness anywhere, out in the middle of nowhere, and, and you turn the lights off? I was driving up north one winter, and it was, I don't know, 4 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, and I had to use the restroom. And nobody was around, so I parked my truck, turned it off. It was so dark, I was afraid something was going to come out of the bushes at me. It was so dark. I said, man, it is dark. Not even a star you could see. Nothing. I said, man, it's dark out here. Another time I went with my son when he was a little guy. We went to the mine down in Bisbee. And they go in the little tunnel there. And, okay, everybody, turn your lights off. Man, it is pit. You can't see anything. Matt, are you still there? <laughs> Hallelujah. What comfort. Jesus said, I've come to the world as a light that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Oh, God, I was so glad to get back in my truck and turn the engine on and turn the lights back on so I can see. Hallelujah. This is a comfort. It's God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 says, It is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory. There's that word again. The glory of God in the face of Jesus. goes on to say we have this treasure in earthen vessels and in our bodies that the excellence may be of God and not of ourselves. Amen? 
You don't have to continually invite the Holy Spirit in. The Holy Spirit's already in when you received Jesus as your Savior. John chapter 1, verse 4 through 5 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Hallelujah. That's good news. I like what Paul, he's on trial before King Agrippa. In Acts chapter 26, verse 17 through 18, he tells the king, God, Jesus sent me to the Gentiles. And this was his message, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in Jesus. Glory to God. He goes on to say, Therefore, I was not disobedient. In spite of all the trouble that Paul the Apostle went through, I believe it says five times he was whipped, given 39 stripes, three times he was beaten with rods. What they do is they turn you upside down and bang the bottom of your feet with a stick. Shipwrecked. Yeah, I'm gonna, God's going to send me to Rome to preach in Rome. How are you going to get there? Well, we're going to be shipwrecked and we're going to be floating in the ocean for a day and a half. And we're going to be threatened here, there, and everywhere. I'm going to get bit by a poisonous snake and throw it in the fire. Everywhere I go, people are going to oppose me. They, they're going to stone me with rocks, hit me with rocks, and think I'm, leave me for dead. But he was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Glory to God. Thank God for that. Amen? Because Paul went on to write most of the letters in the New Testament. We're in spiritual warfare. As soon as you accept Jesus, you're in spiritual warfare. Amen? But glory to God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim or confess the excellence of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. If you're familiar with Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. However, if you have your Bibles with me, open up to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 20. And read with me, what does it say? Verse 19 begins that Paul prays that we would know what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in heavenly places. Who is Jesus now? Where is He at? He's far above principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in the age to come. Romans chapter 8, verse 38. I am persuaded that neither life nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus 
Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, and read with me. Whoops, Colossians is after Philippians. Oh, wow, almost ripped my pages there. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For by him, Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And then turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Begin at verse 13. And you, being dead in trespasses and sin, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with Jesus, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, and having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. If that doesn't excite you, I don't know what to tell you, that Jesus is over all principalities, no matter what it looks like. Amen? Here they're disarmed. Praise God. Let's go on. Whoever sees me, verse 45, sees him who sent me. He's proclaiming courageously his equality with God for us. Thank God that we're no longer in darkness. And then Jesus says, if anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I do not come to judge the world, but to save the world. That's Jesus' whole purpose. Not only did Jesus die for the sins of the whole world, but he shed his blood to pay the price for the redemption of the entire universe. Amen? There will be a new heaven and a new earth. Glory to God. We are brought into comforting enjoyment. Jesus followed fully all of God's commands to him. If anyone hears my words and does not, there's no neutrality. Once you hear about Jesus, you make a decision. Amen? Thank God that we've made the decision. We made the right decision. We said yes to Jesus. There's no neutrality. You can't say, well, there's no fence riding. John chapter 8, verse 31 through 32, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Thank God that truth is not something we decide for ourselves. Verse 47, Jesus said, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. That's Jesus' business Redemption. John chapter 3, verse 16, everyone's familiar with God so loved the world. But verse 17, which follows, says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Hallelujah. To reject Jesus. Verse 48, the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. To reject Jesus is to count as nothing according to Dake's Bible commentary or to despise Jesus. What insanity would take hold of people to despise Jesus? Someone who loved... I had somebody tell me, don't talk to me about Jesus, you'll ruin our relationship. How would talking about someone that loves us ruin our relationship? 
I don't know. <laughs> Marvel not if the world hates you, Jesus said. Or God appointed Jesus to the permanent position of, of high priest. Though he, he was a son, yet he learned obedience. He became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Because Jesus spoke these words, and they, some of them were recorded, enough are recorded for us to know, our goal is eternal life. And we're to follow Jesus as closely as we can. And then we'll finish up here. Jesus said, I have not spoken of my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a commandment. What to say and what to speak. Everything that Jesus spoke, his Father told him to. And Jesus, glory to God, obeyed fully. This is the, according to Matthew Henry, the solemn declaration of his authority. He has the authority to demand faith. If you get a demand letter from a lawyer, it's a legal document that forces the receiver to respond by complying with the notice to either perform the requested action or cease activity specified. Pay up or else is what a demand note or demand letter is. Suppose you have a loan out and they send you a demand and you don't have enough money to pay the demand, pay the loan off. What are you going to do? <laughs> You're in trouble. Same way with Jesus. When he makes the demand, he says, you have to believe in me, Jesus said. You have to. Whoever worships God must worship him in spirit and in truth. Thank God that Jesus is the author. He was commissioned by the Father. and He was obedient. And the goal is eternal life. As a father has told me, Jesus says. Praise God.